This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This week, the Clarets are away at Leicester as they once again hunt for those first three points of the season. This is the Known and Ever podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me this week are three of our regulars, two panellists and one very special guest. We have, of course, Rich Steele, we have Adam Dennett, and we have previous show extraordinaire, the main man himself, Dave Roberts. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, Natalie. Good evening. Good evening, all. Dave, you've crossed the border into the analysis show. I have. I must have done something uh, special this week to be invited onto the analysis show. Definitely. Well, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, and I don't want to dampen your enthusiasm, but it's only because we're recording the preview show straight after it. So I said, come on, Dave, come on to the analysis show. We'll do it all in one. Um, and Adam, you survived the cult. We didn't sack you after your terrible fantasy football advice. Welcome back. Yeah, well, <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, I still, I mean, I'm glad you invited Dave on because I managed to beat him in the head-to-head last week. So it's, uh, it's nice <gasps> to see him. After that. Spoiler! Oh, I love it. Not only is it a spoiler for the previous show, which drives mad, uh, sorry, drives Dave insane, but it's also a complete rubdown. Oh, this is going to be the best analysis show ever. Um, we have um just one game to talk about this week, listeners. Last week, obviously, we had the bump edition of the Arsenal game and the Rochdale game in the cup, but it's just one game this week, and. Sadly, we are once again talking about a lack of three points and points dropped from a winning position. It's starting to feel a little bit repetitive. Repetitive. Um, Clarets away at Leicester, two-two in the end. Took the lead twice, twice conceded that lead, but in the end came away with what on paper looks like a cracking away point. I am going to kick us off with this week's analysis show by going straight to Rich Steele, who was at the game, Leicester Rich. First away game out of lockdown. Oh, how was it? Yeah, it was a belting day. Um, disappointed, obviously, not to get the three points, but it was actually like a cracking game of football. You know, people say Burnley are boring to watch. I think we've been involved in some good games yeah, this season. I thought the first half, especially, you know, we was we was we was excellent, and we're going to go into the impact of Corny and, and Vidra more later in the analysis show, but. I thought them two made a real difference. And then 
I actually thought we were looking reasonably comfortable. I don't really remember Pope having that many saves to make second half, and but the pressure was mounted, and unfortunately, you know, the goal came from Vardy. Um, you know, and it's just that little bit of a sickening feeling. But and then VAR comes in. I celebrated that goal like mad. I thought brilliant first away game in what seemed like forever. Last minute winner, typical Burnley scruffy goal. I seen the linesman running running away, so I thought it's definitely onside. And then the dreaded dreaded referee just stood there for a while, and I thought, oh no, Chris Wood's done it again. He's party trick of being offside, even though it was only just. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's just one of them, isn't it? If you look at Leicester away at the start of the season, you know you'd you'd take a point, but in the position that we're in and coming so close to winning and with a VAR, it, you know, it could have really done us good, especially ahead of the massive game at the weekend to get the three points. Yeah, that's a really good point, is that, Adam? And it, it, it is really difficult because performances have been really good so far this season, apart from a few patches in games, that mental sex, sex, sex minutes. Uh, there you go. Known and ever after dark, that mental six minutes away at Everton and also um, that poor second half against Brighton. But overall, we've played really well, particularly against some tough sides. But we can't get away from the fact that we're six games and we've only got two points on the board. And yeah, there are quite a few teams down at the bottom, but there's also a few teams starting to pull away now from those with a couple of wins on the board. Irrespective of the performances, Adam, how concerned are you with our league position? You've got to be concerned by the league position, but um, I'm I'm getting more and more confident, to be honest, with the second half against Arsenal. Obviously, we talked about that maybe being a turning point. And um, like Rich said, we carried that on into the first half against Leicester. And we after we, we got the goal, um, we we did sit back, but we looked a lot more solid than than we yeah. have done in um, in the other other times that we've we've taken the lead. Um, and and for us to, us to hit back straight away after conceding to go 2-1 up were a real positive sign as well because in previous games and second half of last season, once we've conceded one, we've really quickly gone on to concede the yeah. second goal. Uh, so a really positive to see us hit back that way. And then uh, obviously sickener of Corner going off before half-time. I thought he he's really got into the... Um, the work ethic of the team is he seems to he's not shy of a bit of hard work and seems uh, seems really committed to the cause so yeah I, I kind of agree with rich that um before the game a point would have been a great result and i'd be thinking season starts versus norwich but after everything that happened you can't help but feel it's two points dropped even um even even though yeah you would have te- definitely taken a point beforehand yeah, I mean, how many points is that now, Dave? That's eleven points dropped. Is it from winning positions? Ten. Yeah, there was a Ten. table looking at that scene today. I'd actually retweeted it. Had all the uh, teams and how many points they'd lost from winning positions, and we were well, they'd done it the right way around. We were bottom of the table. We'd lost. 10 points from winning positions. Then they've done the, um, this is the other 14. I think um, we've contributed to them in the past, haven't we? Um, they, they've had oh, the yeah. um, the reverse table and t- uh, number of points gained from losing positions and we've got none. So, you know, we're both uh, extremes of the spectrum <laughs> and it kind of sums up Burnley's uh, season to date, I think, doesn't it? 
how are you finding this season compared to others, Dave? I mean, obviously, I, I try not to put you on the spot with stats because obviously you don't necessarily have them all up your sleeve. I know you, you can commit quite a few to memory. But last year, we took us eight games, didn't it, to record our first win, and we're now on six already. Um, we keep getting described in the press as the perennial slow starters. And I think that probably feels about right, doesn't it? I can remember one season, the, the season we finished in the in Europe, we started very, very strongly with that um, win away at Chelsea on that opening game. But is that fair looking at our results? Are we always really poor at the beginning? Now, the last three seasons we have been, haven't we? So uh, we really struggled when we were playing in Europe and then we struggled again last season. We struggled this season. So um, we've been fortunate. We've been able to get ourselves out of it. We've played um, pretty well and got some good results to, to get us up the table. But I think you need to get those wins sooner rather than later. I think the longer it goes on, they become sort of a, a mindset. And even though, you know, Sean Dyche will say that, you know, the, the mindset in the group is right. I think the longer it goes on, the, the more pressure does build from outside. Um, so we've got a good opportunity of doing that on uh, on Saturday, but it would have been great to get the win at, uh, at Leicester. Just wasn't to be. I think that uh, that late goal was a killer. We thought we were going to get the uh, goal in injury time and it was disallowed. And it was a disappointment in the end, but as uh, as Adam and Richard have already said, um, you would have taken that point before the game, before the start of the season. Leicester's uh, a really tough game to get a point. There's a, a really good point, but you do kind of put it into perspective with the way the game went, going ahead twice and having that goal disallowed. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, before the game even kicked off, Rich, we got the dream news that we were all wanting, and I know you were absolutely delighted with, and that was that the two players who have been making a massive difference to our performance levels and our um, intensity during the game, um, Matty Vidra and Maxwell Corney, both started. That must have been a huge boost in, in the crowd to see that team news coming through. Yeah, I, I half expected Vidra to come in after Barnes went off so early. To be honest, if you put a big man up front, he could have done a better job than Barnes has been doing this season. Um, <laughs> so... No, I'm only joking, but he's less said about Barnes, the better. But yeah, Cornish, that was a massive boost. You, you know, you can feel the energy in the crowd before the game. And when you get Vidra playing, he just offers us something different. He stretches teams. He works hard as well. And it's not like he gets pushed off the ball all the time. He can actually hold the ball up. And everybody's yeah. gone on about Cornish, you know, obviously a really nice finish with a volley. But that was all Vidra's work. You know, just a ball over the top. He's ran the channel controlled it well and he's found Carney without you know say if Barnes was in the team that goal doesn't get scored so no, I, and, and, and I think when and I think when Vidra went off with about 15 minutes to go we literally just held nothing up at all really I know you can maybe say like Barnes you know could have got the assist for Wood's goal but you know we we just lost that threat and Vidra could have easily won uh, or got Vestergaard sent off in the second half Vestergaard had a real torrid time against Vidra um, so I think there's real positive signs, for, you know, for me there. Just fingers crossed, Carney isn't injury isn't too serious. I don't think he's going to play on Saturday. But I was watching him against Arsenal and watching him against um, Leicester. I just want a breath of fresh air having him come into the team. You know, for so long on the wing, we've had Peters or Brownell or Hendrick. You know, players who are just fill, you know, like fill, filling in players. And this lad's a genuine quality player. Who's yeah, got a bit is. of skill, got a bit of bit of pace, and can get fans off their seat. So, yeah, it was brilliant to see that team sheet. You know, people called Dice for not changing it. I think it, after that Arsenal first half, he didn't have a choice. And obviously, it's you know, it's good to yeah. see Vidra back in. 
And by all accounts, I was reading um, an article today from Lance Live. Seems like Vidra's going to be fit for Saturday, which is going to be a boost. Too. Yeah, excellent. Um, have we got any injury news, Dave, about Corny? I've been scrolling around. I can't find anything. Do we know how long he's going to be out for? How serious this injury is? Um, they didn't say after the game they were assessing it. There's not been the press conference yet, so it's just kind of whispers. But I think that looking at how, how it was, as uh, Rich has already said, he's probably going to miss this Saturday. Uh, but we're fortunate we've got an international break, so I guess there's every possibility he could be back uh, before then. I guess we'll find out more. The press conference tends to be on the Thursday before the game. So uh, yeah. we'll, Is we'll it find City out after Norwich? Are we, after the international break, is it City yeah. away? You see, yeah. there's a temptation for me there, given that that's our annual 5-0 drubbing. If It's a temptation for me if he's going to have to miss Norwich, just give him until after the City game to get back. And not Apart from the him. fact that he scores against City. He scored oh, yeah, four goals true. against City, hasn't he? That's true. Rushing back! Let's, <laughs> let's beat City 5-0. Actually, all joking aside, did you guys watch the PSG City game last night in the Champions League? Did you watch yeah. it, Adam? I've seen highlights. I've seen the Bernardo Silva miss and uh, Messi's goal. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. But honestly, I watched the Champions League last night. I watched the whole game while I was finishing off my work and PSG made City look ordinary, like really ordinary. And I actually, think you just said a key word there. You've gone PSG. <laughs> true. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, full shock horror. PSG are amazing. But also, weirdly though, um, and this is the first time I've seen this, Grealish genuinely looked a class above the rest of the City players. So instead of coming in like in maybe in this, the early games he's played for them when he was like coming in and it looked like maybe he was, you know, just finding his feet and he was almost like the junior member in the team looking to build up. He was the only one last night that looked like he was bossing it. So yeah, let's bring Corny on while uh, while City are playing bad. Um how do you how are you feel? I mean, we need to get this out of the way, Adam. Um, I was I'm still really, really down in the dumps about Corner going off injured, particularly as we've got to play Norwich on Saturday, which quite frankly, and, and Dave hates it when I say this this term, but I'm absolutely right in a must-win game. It's not a must-not lose, it's not a draw is fine. Saturday at home to Norwich is a must-win game, and anything less than three points is gonna put us in a whole world of trouble. Um, do we have enough? Well, two two points, Adam. Um, how much of a blow is it? And secondly, do we have enough to beat Norwich without Corne, given the influence he's had? It, um, it is a big blow, um, just because it takes a bit of the momentum away. Uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but um, I saw someone put somewhere, we're Burnley, we're not allowed anything nice, are we? Um, and I think <laughs> it feels like that, but... Um, yeah, it's it's a blow. Um, just it kind of takes the wind out of your sails a bit. But I do think we've got enough. Um, we we should have enough to to beat Norwich. They've been really really poor so far. Um, I think um, Dyche has tended. We've tended to come out on top of the big games at home to teams down at the bottom in the past. Probably with the exception of last season where we didn't have fans at the home home game, we've, we've had a really good record against teams outside the top six at home um, we've we've done Norwich uh, quite comfortably the last couple of times we've played them, I know it'll be a very different different side but again they're not going to be uh, full of confidence, we've pretty much bullied them at home last time and away from home um, played a bit aggressively ourselves again uh, and they lost their heads and got two red cards so I think... Yeah, of course, yeah they did, I forgot about that uh, I just, I just hope there's no pantomime villains in there because obviously playing against uh, 
Hanley and Gibson potentially at, at centre half. Um, God, it, it gives me nightmares thinking about them having good games and even uh, nicking a goal. But I, I'm confident ahead of the game. Okay. I think we will have enough. No, oh, that makes sense. Um, Dave, what's is that record right about us? I, I, don't, I can't remember it again when Norwich have have done. Oh, actually, actually, I better not say that because I'm going to be. Do you know what? I nearly I nearly went into default uh, preview show mode. I'm going to save that. <laughs> so, listeners, who were about to find out what our stats look like ahead of Norwich at home, you have to tune into Friday's preview show. There you go. Um, Dave, I think one of the points that Rich mentioned earlier before we came on air was the the disappointing thing where again we, we conceded two very similar goals and we seem to be getting undone in positions this season where in the past we haven't done um it's, it, it just doesn't feel quite as robust does it and, and one of the things I was looking at as well I don't know whether or not Pope's injury his is it was his knee it was, it was his knee wasn't it in the summer his operation that he had is perhaps preying on his mind a little bit and making him a little nervous but there just seems to be some instability in that defence and we're shipping goals that we're never used to. Yeah, there did seem to be a little bit of uncertainty, particularly for the second goal. That was uh, the one that was uh, was highlighted. Um, and I, I don't know what it is. It, we, we haven't kept a clean sheet, have we? No. Nick Pope hasn't kept a clean sheet for us for uh, for a long time. We know that the... Uh, you're saying about Norwich being a must-win game, uh, but we have to remember we haven't won at Turf Moor since January, so it would be a good time to uh, to change that stat as well. Very true. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. The, the, I don't know whether it's nervousness, nervousness with the injury, whether that's kind of still preying on his mind a little bit and he needs to get back into the sw- swing again, but just doesn't seem to be the same player he was. doesn't seem to be 100% and maybe just needs to build back up again, get a bit more confidence, get that first clean sheet and then uh, we can see his team go on another uh, good run again. Yeah, definitely. Um, can I just add to that, though, Dave? Yeah, of course you can. Natalie, I 100% agree with everything. Just something else that just is an indication of, of his confidence. I, I know he's never been great at distribution, but his kicking this season has been horrendously woeful. Yeah, it really has. Like, I mean, you'd, you'd expect to see better on grassroots leagues. Like, you know, for the goal... <laughs> Arsenal scored, he just kicked it straight out of play. The amount of times, even on Saturday, that he's just kicked it to nowhere yeah. or he's not even reached his halfway line. So I definitely, you know, and, and that decision, that rashness, you know, we always talk about Pope being, you know, really steady. Say if Pickford did that mistake late on for Everton, Burnley fans would have been ripping into him. So he'll get back to it. I'm sure he will, but I fully agree. It's just little parts of his game and when he's not playing well it kind of filters through the whole team yeah. really you know you can see that last 15 minutes or so we're just dropping deeper and deeper getting more edgy all the time and the and the gap seems to be a lot bigger we seem to be caught in behind all the time I know you might I don't want to see, steal one of your questions but Taylor for me this season just doesn't seem in tune really with well, his that's, that's where I was coming next I was I was literally heading to you next and saying Obviously, before the show, one of the things that you said is that you were a bit concerned with Taylor at the moment. So just literally run with that, go with that point, because that's yeah, like what we're going to come to. You know, Taylor's a great athlete, isn't he? You know, he's, he's you know, I'm not saying dropping for Peters or anything, but like for that goal, you know what Vardy's looking to do? He's playing on the shoulder. Yeah. And you know, Taylor's just mad. You know, watching him, what what he's watching his own man, and doesn't seem to be concentrating on the play, and is a yard deeper, and then. Uh, I noticed in the highlights after the game because Taylor slid into the net. 
slid into the net trying to save it off the line. Tarky gave him an absolute volley. He absolutely rinsed him. The oh, two really? goals against Brighton, in my opinion, were Taylor's fault. Yeah. He's got caught in behind. I think McNeil's got a part to play because he's daydreaming sometimes on the left. But, you know, we've, we've, you know, it's like teams now are really targeting that weakness. And what I felt the first half when Corne was playing, Taylor, he was actually, because he had played left-back for Leon. He was he was defending quite well too. And once Corne went off, we just seemed to lose our structure a little bit. So I think it's just something that hopefully, you know, I think Dice mentioned it before. It's something he's really keen on, his metres and distances between players and covering the pitch. And we just seem like quite a lot of the time, you know, we're not we're not closing the gaps down the same or there's more room in behind. Like those two Vardy goals, Vardy's been doing that for years and we've been done twice by him. Yeah. How do we not you know, expect that? You know, and that, you know, for me, I'm a fan of with about 20 minutes left or 15 minutes left if we're winning, go five in midfield. Yeah. Get caught yeah. on and just have him sitting in front of the back four. But I don't know. Dice obviously seems to be trusting his 4 4 2. And, you know, knowing, knowing Dice's stubbornness prevails over a long term. But it is concerning for me how some key players just, you know, especially in the defensive unit don't look quite right. Like, for me, Mee's been okay this year. He, he he keeps getting caught a little bit. I think I think Lowton's been the best of the bat four, and he's the one who everybody keeps saying to drop. Yeah. So, Do you yeah. think, Adam, it's just a, a simple case that we've just got quite a lot of players who are coming towards the end of the peak stage of their career. They're getting it on your past 30 now. They're not quite as slow, not quite as sharp. It's like players can't keep that intensity forever. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so with um, with the players that Rich mentioned that are struggling. I don't I don't think Taylor's uh, the wrong side of thirty yet, and Pope. Um, I don't think age should be a problem for a goalkeeper. You don't often see him coming True. into the peak, peak until until they hit the thirties. Uh, and like again, like Rich said, Lawton's seems to be um, seems to be playing better for the um, for the last six months or so, um, and he, he he is one that's entering. I think he's 32, 33. Uh, I think Taki were having, were having a go at um, Taylor Rudd because he went with his left foot in his so he kind of let the ball go across him rather than cutting it. He seemed to be able to cut it. I noticed that that on the highlights um, afterwards. Uh, and sorry to go back again. Do we, do we think Pope will be in the England squad this Sunday? Just with Ramsdale's, or this week, whenever it's announced. Ramsdale's yeah. obviously playing well for Arsenal. Johnston started the last game. Henderson's obviously nowhere near it, but when he comes back, did like does will, will Southgate see um, Ramsdale Johnston at their age as well coming through and think that it's more beneficial to have them in England side or keep possibly like relative good experience? But I don't know what other people's thoughts on that are, but uh, that's one thing that entered my mind. Mm-hmm. And could that knock him even further confidence wise? Because that's well, going to do, isn't it? Yeah, I've if, got a thought happens, on. I've got a thought on that one. I think if uh, if Pickford managed to stay in the side when his form dipped, then uh, if you're going to... Yeah. You can't chop and change too much. There's got to be some sort of continuity. Um, I don't think Pope's had a very good start to the season, but you've, you've got to have a little bit of continuity going forward. So I think you'd like to see him in the in the squad rather than just the first time there's any slight dip knocking him out. I think that would be a little bit unfair. So, I mean, and again, it's three keepers in there. It's probably not going to play anyway, but you get sort of the the squad togetherness and you get the uh, the training side of it as well. So, well, we'll wait and see what happens. Yeah, yeah that's then, a really good point, Dave. 
in terms of the overall squad, yeah, I think we were, we are aging, and that's been a problem that we haven't changed it for much for the last three years. And players that were in the peak are now getting past the peak, but the transfer window has started to address that that issue. I think with uh, obviously Corney Roberts is a natural progression if um, if Lawton's form does dip, and I think obviously there'll be more of that to come. Um, with uh, Collins as with well, We've got Collins, Collins in yeah, as well. yeah, really good shout, yeah. So I think there there is a, a noticeable step change to to improve that going forward. Um, sticking with you, Adam, just before we move on, uh, you felt that we were you felt there was a penalty shout for Leicester. Were we lucky to get away with one there? I'm not sure I've seen this. Um, I, I didn't think so. It were it were kind of uh, the ball's going across the box. McNeil's going towards the ball, um, and I think it's Castagna just nips nips in front of him or gets level with him as he's playing the ball. So there's contact on the man on the ball. You could probably argue it goes through the man slightly. Um, and I, I don't think it were a clear and obvious error, all, all that, that saying again, but um, I think it were another one that were debated. I think um, a few of the pundits were saying that it were a definite penalty and on match of the day, they kind of dismissed it as it were. Okay. Well, my so. dad was watching that and he said it was Tim Sherwood. He was the most biased I was at the right. game. He said, "When, when, when Leicester, when, when Leicester equalised, he was buzzing. Then when we scored our last minute, well, supposedly last minute goal, he comes a lot more disappointed. So, yeah, that was one of the. <laughs> so I just thought I'd bring that up, Adam. So it's just funny when my dad said it, and he, yeah, and I'm, he's not, not I'm not seeing Sherwood, but um... yeah, like my dad's not normally precious, and neither am I about the media." And all some other people, uh, not mentioning any names, are really precious about uh, how Burnley are portrayed in the media. But even my dad didn't didn't. Who didn't are we like talking about there, Richard Steele? I don't, I don't, I don't know, Natalie. <laughs> I don't know. Can I just say something as well? Because sometimes we do these podcasts, and obviously we put our opinion out there. Sometimes when you know when we do this and we say somebody's not had a good game, all of a sudden that word scapegoat comes out. Oh, Pope's a scapegoat now this season. Taylor's a scapegoat. I just yeah. want to add, they're both fantastic players. We're just giving a little bit of, of analysis of what's happened in exactly. recent games. And, yeah. and if you, you're allowed to have a little bit of criticism or fair criticism of a player without them becoming a scapegoat or without us saying that we don't like a player. I just want to make that clear. All right. Oh, Rich, welcome to the world of no, no, never. We've been putting up with that nonsense for 10 years. It's very true. It's very difficult, isn't it? Because fans expect an analysis of a game, but you can't, you can't do a fan-led review of what's happening without looking on both sides of the argument. And you, we seem to be living in a world, it's interesting you say that, Rich, we seem to be living in a world where you can't have a multi-layered opinion everybody's pushing you into violently one side or violently than the other. And I think a lot of what's been going on politically in the world has forced us into that stage. It's like, you know, you can say Pope is a fantastic player, but he's having a poor couple of games, but people don't seem to recognise that he says either absolutely brilliant or is absolutely terrible. It's very polarising his, his views and it doesn't necessarily need to be like that. Well, of course, Dave, we obviously thought that we were going to, sneak it at the end um i know you've looked at var and you've just talked yourself absolutely to death about these problems um it was another one of those very close decisions but the right one i think in the end when you look at it he is offside i think the gut feel was even 
looking at first time that it was and when it slowed down to the replay, then, yeah, I think, think it was the right decision. Interestingly, it was his only offside in the game. Looking back at, uh, at the stats for the season to date, that was the only offside given against Chris Wood at Leicester. Uh, but he does top the table. Yeah. I've looked at it for the season to date and he's, uh, he's leading the way in the, uh, the golden flag for most offsides. He's on nine. Uh, golden flag, is that a thing? Well, no, that, that, we've kind of joked about that before. You've got the golden boot and you've got the golden whatever. Ah, yes, the golden is. flag is for the offside. Is that for all Premier League players? Yes. Not just Burnley. Wow, well, there we go. Yeah. There we go. You'd have thought you'd have learned. <laughs> well, this it, is like gold to Rich. It's like catnip. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I'm off. <laughs> if, if you look at the other players who are up at the top of that list, the likes of Vardy, who sort of play on the shoulder, last man, he's well up there as well. So Chris Wood didn't he's win it last get season. About Wood. He's like, he shouldn't be offside. You know, it's not like running in behind players or anything. I don't know. Anyway, that frustrates me. Stuff he's won like it that. twice. Not not last season, the two seasons before he topped that. Go. Not that list. But it's not that many when you look at it. I think he won it with 53, so it's like only just over one a game. It's not like it's, you know, three every game. Interesting. Um, do, how do we think that that VAR decision fits in, Dave, with the, the general idea this season that we're supposed to be letting much more things go and they weren't supposed to be... Um, they were supposed to be, I don't know, something about letting offsides not that close stand. They were going to be a bit more lenient, weren't they? Or was that just for... Other decisions. Well, it was for offsides. They said they're going to draw thicker lines. So basically, if the lines weren't separate, then they said that it's you know that's too marginal. So having thicker lines supposedly would say, well, what was previously separate would now be overlapping. So they wouldn't give it. But I think it's one of those that one where he, he was offside and it sits hard to take because it was a really well taken goal right at the end, but just you know fine margins. Um, but it was enough to be offside. I think the other way around, we'd have been shouting for it ourselves. So um, we've got to kind of go with the uh, flow on that one, really. Yeah. What's it like in the in the What's it like in the crowd at that point, Rich? Because I think that's one of the things that the the purists are, are very anti VAR for about it ruining the moment for fans. And obviously, you thought you'd scored a ninth, the third minute winner, and it gets chalked off. I mean, does that massively impact on your enjoyment of the game? Yeah, I felt more of a gutted feeling walking away from the ground you know you sell a when I watched it live because I was where I'm because obviously where you're in the away end at Leicester you're right in the corner so I, I was literally sat right level with it and I thought he's offside but everyone was going mad so far well if he's offside I might as well just join in with it for 10 seconds and you know I've made a two and a half hour journey down I'll go mental but then I saw the liner running up so I thought, oh, it must be like well on side here. And then as soon as the ref come back, I thought, oh, it's going to get disallowed here. But funnily enough, when I watched on the Sky highlights after the game, it looked level. But I agree with Dave. It's offside. Um, it's not one of them that's like an armpit or anything. His foot and his leg was clearly past Vestergaard. I think with the Arsenal penalty the week before, I didn't think that was a penalty. I didn't think it was a penalty live in the ground. But Ramsdale won the ball. So, you listen, sometimes it goes for you. Some, you know, some sometimes it doesn't. You know, it's, it's one of them with Wood, isn't it? If he doesn't play on the shoulder, does he get to that header? You know, maybe maybe because he's not the quickest. He does have to play on the shoulder to try and get that extra yard. And probably for someone like Wood, VAR has probably been a detriment to him because yeah. he is on the shoulder all the time. But, yeah, of course it's gutting, isn't it? You know, 
so, you know, I can't remember the last. I think the last time I was in the ground and Burnley scored a last-minute winner was the Barnes winner against Palace that I, that I can remember. Again, having Davy is probably not yeah. too good, but it's just what I can remember. I can't ever remember going to a Burnley game where we scored a last-minute winner away from home. There was one at Leicester. That's going back a few more years. The uh, yeah, oh, Ross a winner, kick. a winner. Yeah, well, oh, so that was for a draw, yeah. So I just did obviously, you know, no, I'm, I can't you know, remember. I I probably start going, you know, watching Burnley in the in the you know start of two thousand or so, but I actually can't remember going going watching one. So obviously, when he goes in, and you think, yeah, we've you know we've got a big win away from Leicester, and then it's and then you feel like it's taken away from you. Um, yeah, it is it is gutting in it, but. VAR's here to stay, so there's no point going on about it. Well, if it's two seasons ago, the goal would have stood or whatever, because um, it was the correct decision. And if it's up the other end, we'd be going, why is VAR not being used properly? So it is what it is. But yeah, still yeah. disappointing when you're in the ground. It's interesting to look at that as well, isn't it, Adam? Because there's a lot of talk in the press this week outside of, of, of the actual games themselves about making it a more attractive fan experience in the ground and they're talking to fans groups and consulting with um, supporters about what would make their experience better in the ground and the issue of safe standings come up again the issue of alcohol on the terraces potentially come up we're now talking about those initiatives but with VAR as well and I just it's quite an interesting angle, really. I guess for two points. Number one, how do you feel about those things generally? Do you think they're needed? But actually, is it quite dangerous to bring those things in when you do have something that can draw such um, extreme emotions as VAR does? If you then got alcohol on top of it as well, is that a recipe for disaster, do you think? Potentially, especially when you've got fans scrapping at the end of our last home game over the over the barriers anyway. Um I'm sure that will be. <laughs> um, I'm sure that'll be cut out with the like against in the Rochdale game. They'd widen that uh, the gap between the fans, um, but definitely there's potential there. But I think there's there's demand there for from a section of fans to be able to do that. Um, I've I've been and watched football in Germany and and had um, had beer on the ground and it's it adds to the experience and uh, and the atmosphere and. Maybe that was just between the group of people I was with, but I really enjoyed being able to do that and still enjoyed the football. Uh, when I'm at Burnley, I'm too much of a nervous wreck anyway to be able to uh, be drinking at the same time I go and watch the game and enjoy watching watching the game. But uh, I think the, there is clearly demand there, and I don't I don't have a problem with uh, them trying it out, um, assessing it, and then making improvements on it. Like like I think they are trying to do with VAR as well. Um, I think the f- the fact that they don't show um, anything on the screen or much on the screen in terms of decisions is frustrating. Someone sat on their armchair at home knows a lot more than what's going on, yeah, um, true. going on in the ground. Uh, but I think I think we will get there with that. Um, and going back to Woods, I think that he plays on the edge, obviously. But there's, if you watch, like the defender spots that the ball's coming to Barnes's head and actually makes a big, like, real attempt to step forward and and get out quickly. And obviously, without his quick thinking, I don't know whether it was Vestergaard or Castagna um, at the back post, then Wood would have been well on side, and that would be happening behind Wood. Um, and and I think yeah, I think you've got to give credit to the defender for 
for managing to play that um, like really quick, quick thinking. Um, yeah, that's that's my thoughts, and give it give it a go. Uh, I don't know how well equipped the cricket field end is to be able to serve that much alcohol to so many people, but um, I suppose we'll. Find uh, yeah, out. that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I think it's I think it's fair to say, Dave, then that we were pretty impressed with the performance away um, against Leicester. But it, do you not think it feels a little bit like? we've actually done the opposite way around this season that we've we've actually performed quite well against the more difficult sides the Everton's the Arsenal's um Liverpool and um uh, Leicester away I'm a bit worried about Norwich at home I don't I don't know why and do you remember last season when we, we had that spell of home games against our relegation threatened sides and I think we got like two points where we should have got nine or something um, what do we need to do on Saturday to absolutely make sure that we get a victory in this Norwich game? Uh, score more goals than they do. Um, yeah, you, you, you're right about last season. Um, <laughs> easy, isn't it? Uh, you, you're right about last season. We had the draws, didn't we? I think we were quite cagey in those games. We played um, yeah. Fulham at home, didn't we? And we played uh, West Brom, was it? And yeah, they were it they were... They were draws and yeah, we just just looked very cagey at the time. I think not having a crowd in maybe was a factor uh, as well. Whereas if there'd been a full turf more, that would have been a little bit different. Um, so yeah, we need we need to certainly have the crowd behind us on uh, on Saturday. We can't afford to uh, to have have nerves in the crowd. We talk about the players on the pitch, but I think the uh, the crowd has a part to play in that as well. And sometimes as you say there can be too much high expectation. It's like well, yeah, we're going in there. They've not won uh, a game all season. Well, they've got a point all season, um, and the expectation levels go up. And then if you don't quite start off quite as well and don't score, then you know 15, 20 minutes in, it starts getting a little bit niggly. So I think the crowd have to stay with it and uh, and, and and make sure we uh, we support the players, and then equally that they replicate that, uh, reciprocate it, and uh, and do it on the pitch. So it's going to be uh, should be a good game on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, it should be. Do you make any changes, Rich? Personnel or strategy? Well, I think Corn. I, I wouldn't, but I think Corn is going to be injured, isn't he? Um, yeah. Going back to what you said right at the beginning of the podcast about, I think one thing about Corn being injured, even though it is a blow, I think Gumbersen's actually played pretty well. Yeah, that's season. true. Yeah. You know, if, if you're basing it not on reputation, you you could arguably say that he was unlucky. Not you know, he was unlucky to be dropped against Leicester and, you know, Mert Neal, in my, you know, we've shown glimpses, but again, not been that consistent. Um, and so I think that's okay that we've got Gunmanson coming in. Um, but other than that, like I said, I would, you know, I would keep the same team. I think, you know, Vidra, you know, say if Hanley and, um, if Hanley and Gibson are playing, I know they signed Kabak from Liverpool, but they played five at the back against Everton. Um, I don't think they'll go five at the back. So I actually think Kabak and, Hanley will play. I think Gibson will be on the bench. I could be wrong. Sorry if I may be stealing Dave's kind of notes, but that's just something I've observed. <laughs> um, I observed in one in one of Norwich's recent games. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be a similar team. Um, yeah, we just got to go out there, just real high intensity from the off, going to it, play without fear, get the you know get the crowd behind us at our best. We're better than them, so just believe in ourselves. Uh, you know, I'm confident. I think. You know, we 
I think in another season, say if we held on against Brighton or we held on against Leeds and the ball dropped our way, I think we'd be on, you know, eight to nine points now and we'd, we're just not quite there. Um, but it but it will come. So I'm confident for Saturday. Um, right. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Oh, <laughs> and on that sorry, note, <laughs> can I, I interrupt? Well, I am confident, though. I am no, no, confident. no. You finished with NBA, so see ya. I was just I thought you were going. I thought you were just going to disappear oh, no. like, yeah, bye. No. It's always <laughs> note, hard when I do this podcast. I know Adam did it before. It's like when you've made your point, it's like finishing it off. I don't know, like sometimes, <laughs> like I feel you can't put a full stop on the end of it when you're doing these. And <laughs> we're not in the same room. It's hard to like think it because I've hosted a couple. It's hard to know when the other person's completely finished. So don't you yeah. worry. I will know. You can just finish a sentence, and I will jump in and I'll I'll say it's okay. not my first rodeo. We're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Adam. Sorry, you were about uh, to just... you about to jump in then. How does everyone feel about McNeil playing on the right if we do if Goodmanson does lose his place longer term? Like I've always liked McNeil on his left foot on the left, or obviously we've talked yeah. about trying him in the middle, but I always find it when he switches wings that he seems less effective on the right. Tom said about him cutting inside and shooting. I think last week might be a bonus of that, but I'm not as confident in McNeil on the right hand side as I am with him on the left or potentially in the centre. But not, but if it came down to it, I'd rather have McNeil on the right than no McNeil on the pitch at all. I mean, if, if, it, if it was down to that or nothing, I'd rather have that. I don't know how you feel, Dave. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it probably does take thing away from his game being on the other wing. And I think that, you, you know, defenders are good, know he's going to go on to his left foot. He's always going to try and uh, come inside from, uh, from, from the right. But yeah, he's, he's got that. He's got that sort of play, hasn't he? Where which wherever you is on the pitch, you know he's capable of doing something. So um, I prefer to have him on the left. I think there's a role for him going forward in the middle. I think ultimately, he's still a very young player. He's got time to develop and may develop into that role going forward. Um, but yeah, he's certainly a player you want to have on the pitch um, at all times. Really, he's one of those uh, players since he came in. That's one of the first names on the uh, team sheet nearly every time. I would think. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, any any more for any more then on the Leicester performance or thoughts ahead of Norwich? I just want to have a quick chat about something else before we go, but is there anything else on the pitch that you want to pick up? I think we touched on it to some extent in terms of uh, Matt Lowton's performances um, mm. this season. I don't know whether it's the fact that uh, Connor Roberts has come in and maybe there's a, a little bit of competition there, but he certainly seems to have upped his game and uh, he was probably the best player on the pitch on uh, on Saturday, I think, certainly defensively for, for Burnley. I think uh, I posted some stats out. He had uh, uh, five blocks in the game and two of those really vital ones as well. So... Um, he re had a really good game for Burnley and uh, seems to be doing very well this season. Rich, you've been calling this out for like, th like three years now and saying like what a little bit of competition does for player performances. Yeah, of course. I think Dice alluded to it in a press conference. It's just subconscious, isn't it? I think, you know, we all obviously work. If, if, if somebody comes into your department a little bit, it just sometimes just raises you, you know, to, you know, to just to maybe do a little bit more. I think, I still don't, you know, Lawton, you know, still lacks a little bit of pace at times. And I think long-term Roberts will come in. But I agree. I think overall, he's probably been our best, um, our most consistent defender. You know, a couple of those blocks were fantastic. Um, oh, the early down. stages of the game. Yeah, yeah he exactly. saved two certain goals. 
Yeah, say, you know, say if you go 1-0 down at a place like Leicester, it can easily become 4-5. And he was playing against Harvey Barnes, who I think is one of the most, you know, people talk about Leicester superstars. I think he's a, a really underrated player. I think he's someone who will go on to have England honours. His, his, his dad was a Burnley player as well, wasn't he, Dave? Is it Paul? A little bit before Yeah, well, he was born in Burnley, wasn't he, of course? Yeah. yeah. So, a little bit before my time. So, yeah, you know, my, my man of the match person would have been Vidra. But I think um, Lawton would have been a very close second. So, yeah, great point from Dave. Yeah. What about on the other side, Adam? Do you think there's any argument that bringing Peters in could help plug some of those little leaks in Taylor's game? Did I say Peterson? I <sighs> Peters. Did I say Peterson then? I think I was no. trying to say Patterson. Oh. Sorry, go on, Adam. <laughs> I heard Peters. Uh, no, I think um, we discussed it last week, didn't we? There's, I don't think there's much difference between them. Um, Dave's going to pull some stats for us to say what the what the comparison is, maybe. Um, but uh, in terms of results, and I, he's becoming a bit of a frustration. Um, Taylor's performances this season, uh, but I, I don't think there is as much competition on that on that side of the pitch now. Um, and maybe maybe that would help him if we brought um, someone in. And I can't imagine Corney. Uh, has been brought into play at left back at any point. So um, I'm struggling to know what to say. I, I don't think there's there's much Leave of an improvement to be made. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm happy with that. Um, I'm happy with that. Well, listeners, well, do let us know if you would make any changes ahead of the Norwich game, if you would drop any players or maybe try a different formation. Um, we're obviously not going to be having Kone at the game, we don't think. So what do we need to do to make sure we secure those three points? You can tweet us at None and Ever. You can make a comment on our Facebook page or even send us a message on there. Or you can email us at podcast at noneneva.net. We want to know what your thoughts are ahead of that game. Finally, a quick one that Matt wanted us to have a quick chat about before we leave, and I'll bring this over to you first, Dave. Um, bit of a furore from a certain selection of mainly season ticket holders, I would suggest, on the internet with the um, pledge that the club have put forward this week of a ticket package um, to celebrate Sean Dash's nine years at the helm. Um, if you bring a squad of 10 players, no, 10 people or more, to the game, you get your ticket for nine quid. On the face of it, a fantastic initiative to try and get some bodies into the turf more and to get some new fans in, maybe attract some new new people who have not been regularly before. But does dilute slightly the season ticket packages that people have paid for? Where do you stand in this debate, Dave Roberts? Well, I'm a season ticket holder and I have no problem with it. I think it's quite a niche market anyway when you're talking about a bigger group. So you've actually got to do a little bit of work to get 10 people together to qualify for the offer. It is only for a limited period. It is for a couple of games next month, a couple of home games, and it's to mark nine years of uh, Sean Dyche being at the helm. So personally, I've got absolutely no problem with it. I think if it happens more during a season and it's kind of erodes more the sort, yeah. sort of season ticket offer, then it becomes more of a problem. But just as a, a one-off for October for a couple of games, yeah, no problem at all from, from my point Excellent. of view. More bums on seats and, uh, and a better atmosphere in the ground. I think that's going to benefit everyone. Here, here. Um, I'm going to presume that the answer to this is no, but is there anyone in the team that does have a strong objection to this? No, nope, they're all nodding at me. Not good for radio, guys. They're nodding at me. Oh, listeners can't see that. They're not on video. And they're still nodding. 
honestly, listeners, it's like working with amateurs. No. <laughs> I'm only joking. Well, I think that is all we have time for this week. Um, we have lots and lots of football to play before the end of the season. We have lots of points to play for. The team is playing well. They just need to get rid of those silly little errors. We just need to tighten up defence. And quite frankly, listeners, as unambitious as this may sound, we just need to finish 17th. And if we can just get there this season and get over the line, it genuinely feels like the world will feel a lot rosier next season and things go on. Um, my thanks as ever go to everybody who contributed to making this podcast. Of course, my excellent uh, panellists here, Rich, Adam and Statman Dave. Um, tune in, you guys, for Dave and I to have the preview show in the next couple of days and um, to hear all about what's going to happen ahead of that Norwich game. To producer Matt, who rescued us with a Zoom call today because Rich threw us all with no internet. So thanks for that, Rich Steele. Constantly high maintenance. Rich Steele is a high maintenance. He might be my second favourite panellist, but he's the most high maintenance one. <laughs> Um, to uh, Ralph Wigan, who provides our uh, royalty-free music. Thank you very much, Ralph. Do please check him out on Twitter. His handle is at Lil G Curley. Um, he, pro he provides all of our music for the podcast, and we're very grateful. Um, and finally, to you, the listener, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated, and we would not be here without you. We would not be here without you. Yes, that's right. Um, tune in on Friday for the preview show ahead of Norwich and the rest of the team will be back with the analysis next week where I'm very confident that we will be celebrating our first three points of the season. Take care in the meantime and we will see you soon. This has been the Known and Ever podcast. I've been Naki Bromley. Until next time. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.